Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. There was a time when the news, the big news, was probably once a week something happened. And other than that, uh, the everyday news was easy to handle, didn't get you nervous, did not get a person excited, put them in fear or anything else. Uh, But things have changed. We live in the days, the time of Donald Trump now, where every day is full of news. News! This man creates news. He blows his nose and he creates news. Everything he does creates news. And the news he creates is not always correct. It's not always healthy. It's not always helpful. Uh, We elected him president. I didn't vote for him. If you go back and watch, the, listen to the show and read my blogs from uh, the election time, you'll find out I wasn't on his team. I wasn't for him. Uh, I thought he was a despot in the making. I thought he was uh, mentally insufficient. I thought he was crazy. <laughs> uh, but be that as it may, we elected him president, and he's doing a lousy job. He is hurting us. Our friends for 70 years, other countries, are now becoming our enemies. And our enemies for 70 years are now becoming our friends because Trump wants to be like the head of those countries uh, that are bad people. You know, like Putin, Kim, uh, the Philippines, Duarte, the fellow who's president of Turkey. He wants to be like them. He wants to be a despot. He wants to be the ruler. He doesn't even want a Congress. He wants to make the decisions as he sees them, and that will be the law of the land, not the way we've been doing it for over 200 years. So we're in bad times, and the news is, oh, my God, that's all I can say, and that's all you can say, and it's tiring after a while. So much for my preamble or whatever you want to call it. Tonight I'm going to take you to New Orleans, to Washington, to Florida's Everglades, to Hanoi, to Puerto Rico, and to Moscow. So let's start with Mardi Gras. Uh, Today is Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Big party. Uh, The women are going to be out there, many of them with their breasts exposed, and who, who knows what else. Uh, it's become a fun festival, an adult fun festival. And it's the day before Ash Wednesday, which in Christianity is the beginning of the Lenten season. Let's put everything in perspective. The Lenten season is where I'm a, I'm a Catholic. We, we're supposed to give something up. I'm a fallen away Catholic. I haven't given anything up in years. But when I was in grammar school, I gave up candy, things like that. As I got older, I gave up drinking one year. I made it, but wasn't wasn't nice and it wasn't easy. Anyhow, uh, because during Lent, we're supposed to fast. We're supposed to deprive ourselves. And back in the day, depriving yourself meant you gave up certain foods. You didn't eat as much fasting. And Mardi Gras was supposed to be the day when people were gluttonous. That's the term. They were gluttons. They were supposed to eat and eat, enjoy all kinds of food, get fat that day. In fact, Mardi Gras has a second name. And do you know what this is? Mardi Gras is French. Mardi Gras is French. And you know what it's French for? It's French for Fat Tuesday. (laughs) Mardi Gras is also known as Fat Tuesday because people gorged themselves with food. Now, we're in New Orleans, and uh, 
1989, they decided they were going to have Mardi Gras in New Orleans. And there wasn't any of this uh, show me your breasts and give me, give me some beads and that kind of thing. Uh, it wasn't for, to be a tourist attraction, but it's for people to eat, eat fine foods and much as much as you can handle that day. Because starting tomorrow, the first day of Lent, Ash Wednesday, you're going to be on. Well, things changed. And they made a dramatic change in the last few decades of the 20th century. I'm talking about 1970, 80, 90, uh, 2000. And this is what, where we got into the adult, uh, not adult friend finder, adult fun games. Again, women would show their breasts from balconies, from the street, and parades. Uh, and that's the way it is. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying it's right. But it was a deviation from which the day was intended. Uh, social scientists have a term, by the way, for women exposing their breasts during Mardi Gras, and it probably applies to, here to our fantasy fest during uh, fantasy fest season. It's called, and I quote, uh, ritual disrobement. When a woman exposes her breast, it's called ritual disrobement. I don't know what else goes with it from a scientific perspective. Now, Tonight in New Orleans, they're partying big time. It's got to be exciting. And I'll be honest, I like to walk around like I do in Fantasy Fest, and I like to see. I'm a voyeur. I enjoy looking at women's breasts. Uh, call it whatever you like. I, I openly admit it, I enjoy looking. Tonight at midnight in New Orleans, because the party, Mardi Gras, ends at midnight, police on horses will ride down Bourbon Street. And it's a ceremony. They're riding down Bourbon Street, police on horses. What they're doing is, and I quote, clearing the street, cleaning the street, I'm sorry, cleaning the street, cleaning the street. And their ride on their horses is supposedly to get rid of the people on the street, which doesn't happen. Uh, and that's the clearing of the street because it's a symbol that the next day is here, midnight. It's now Wednesday. It's Ash Wednesday, and it marks the end of the carnival season because we're into serious business starting Ash Wednesday, 40 days of Lent, 40 days of fasting, giving things up, 40 days of praying every day, more than you normally do, or some if you never do, and that's what Mardi Gras, my friends, is all about. Now, the Republicans... Yesterday and today are in a furor. Their pants are on fire because uh, one of the House committees, they're all Democrats now, the Democrats control the House. Welcome to the real world, my Republican friends. Uh, one of the committees, the House Judiciary Committee, issued, sent out 81 letters. The 81 letters went to certain people and certain entities and told them and the committee advised as part of what they're doing now in their investigation of Trump and whatever has been occurring, they want certain records. Now, this sounds cumbersome, but it really isn't. What they're looking for, and this is said in the letters, are the same records that have already been served, demanded by Mueller, by his investigative group, and sent to Mueller. They were told, send us copies of those records because apparently Mueller can't send them out to the House and so forth. 
And Democrats are saying, oh, my God, this is a tragedy. How can you do this? What are you subjecting these people to this kind of thing for? They're complaining all over the place. Let me put it in perspective, because we forget. We forget what has happened in the past, and every time we do, we're wrong. Let's go back to Bill Clinton. Remember, he was impeached, okay? Or he was charged with impeachment. He wasn't convicted. The committee, the impeachment committee going after him, okay, to impeach him, sent out, they subpoenaed, listen to what I'm going to say, they subpoenaed in excess of 1,200 people. 1,200 people. That's a lot. (laughs) The House Judiciary Committee only sent out, they subpoenaed him. The House Judiciary Committee just sent out a letter saying, please provide what you provided Mueller. The Clinton group. They issued over 1,200 subpoenas. They have no justification. This was a Republican-run prosecution, persecution, if I can label it that way, uh, of Bill Clinton. Uh, They're so excited. I think that the Republicans are making as much noise about this as what happened when Martin Luther, back in, what, 1,100 or something, Martin Luther Nailed the 95 Theses on the door of All Saints Church in Wittenberg. Everybody went crazy. Now the Republicans are going crazy over 81 letters. Uh, Does not make sense to me, and they forget what happened in the past. Okay? Now, and i got to say something else. This thought occurred to me today. I wrote about this in my blog a little bit today, too. Uh, What would you rather have? Uh, we, they chased Clinton, and all Clinton did was have sex in the Oval Office. In fact, I don't know to what end the sex was. He was orally copulated in the Oval Office. Truman sleeps with Putin. What's worse? <laughs> What's worse? Uh, a president having sex improperly can't do these things in the Oval Office. Or Trump, who sucks up to Putin, and in fact, he's in bed. You can use it as a pra- as practical terminology with Putin. I don't have to tell you what's worse. I want to talk about robots. We are in trouble in this country. We are not paying attention to the robot investigation. It has been, go- inv- not investigation, invasion. It has been going on for years. It's getting very heavy the last two or three years, and it's going to continue to get even heavier. Here, here's what's happening, just a few things that happened this past week with robots. Walmart, big company, okay? They announced, they announced that they had a very profitable year last year. Uh, they had what they called, not my words, Walmart's words, blowout earnings they reported for last year. And they thank this to um, online sales. Online, surging online sales have done it. Well, you know, they, they, they have a lot of people packing things in boxes, putting things on shelves at, at Walmarts all over the country, cleaning the floors, etc. These are night shifts. These are night shifts that generally do these things in the Walmart stores. Walmart also announced, yes, I'd saying, oh, boy, we made a ton of money, the best year ever, etc., that they are going to eliminate The graveyard shifts, they're going to fire the people working on the graveyard shifts in hundreds of their stores, 
in hundreds of their stores because they are going to expand into the use of labor, a labor-saving product, quote-unquote, labor-saving product. Robots, they're going to machinery to do these jobs. Robots, because robots will cut down their cost of doing business dramatically. So they're going to go into robots. That's Walmart, who's making a ton of money without the ro- as many robots as they're going to have. I also want to tell you what happened in 2018 last year with regard to robots generally in the United States. It's the best year. The people who use robots had the best year ever in 2018. And the use of robots, this is the dangerous thing, the use of robots was up 16% from 2017, which was the best year previously. In other words, we're using more and more robots every day. The rationale, the understanding is clear again. It cuts labor costs, okay? And Donald Trump said, I'm going to bring companies back to the United States. And he's working hard at it. And a lot of companies have come back. There are more that should come back that aren't coming back. But most of them that have come back, if not all, most of them that came back and are planning on coming back have already announced they're going to use robots. They're not going to use human beings as employees. They're going to use as many robots as they can because it's the best way, the only way for them now to cut costs and make, because in the United States, understand what I am going to say, please. The cost of labor in the United States in manufacturing is the highest of any country in the world. To be competitive, these manufacturers claim that they must use robots to cut their costs. So there's going to be more people who are going to lose their jobs because of robots. And the thing that bothers me, I said this a few minutes ago, the thing that bothers me about this, so we have to go to robots. That's the next step. That's progress. That's development. But no one's talking about what do we do with the human employees that are going to be without jobs. No one talks about this. And I've been saying for three years, I have written about it, I've talked about it, it's the responsibility of our government our federal and state governments, to have training programs, retraining programs, to see where the jobs are going to be that these people can work. Otherwise, we're going to have a ton more of unemployed. Employment won't be as good as it is today. Trump drums it all the time. Look at all the people working. In two years, it could be dramatically down. Do you get the point I'm making? Shouldn't be. We should be retraining these people. There is no federal program of sufficient magnitude to handle the problem. Trump has not paid attention to it. And I've got to say this, too, with all due respect. And I was an Obama supporter. He paid no attention to it. We've let it go. We better start paying attention to it. Now, staying with robots for another moment. uh, You're going to love this. I keep saying they're coming. They're going to take our jobs. I don't have to worry. I'm 83. I'm retired. I'm all done working. But they're going to come and take jobs. And here's what's going to happen. Major League Baseball, this is an example of what's happening. This is for real what I'm going to share with you now. I'm I'm smiling and laughing a little bit because it's hard to believe. I couldn't believe it when I first discovered it. Major League Baseball has entered into a contract with the Independent Atlantic League to test the use of robot 
umpires. You heard me. Robot umpires. It's a three-year test. They're going to use umpire robots as umpires in professional baseball. Now, if at nothing else, exposure that I'm sharing with the use of robot umpires, umpires shows you how far the use of robots is going and how it's getting into our everyday lives. And we better start paying attention. You're not going to stop the wave of robots. You've got to figure out how do we retrain our people? If you don't retrain your people, everybody's going to sit on, be sitting on their ass saying, I ain't got no money. I can't get a job. Now, let's talk about dollar bills and $100 bills. I'm going to tell you something right now Yeah, you're going to find difficult to understand also. This was a week of coming up with things that are difficult to, to follow. Uh, this, this surprised me. Today, there are more $100 bills in circulation than $1. Dollar bills. I will say it again. There are more $100 bills in circulation than $1 bills. Well, I got to tell you, <laughs> I'd like to know where they are. <laughs> I, you know, I always have a pile. I always got 10, 20, $1 bills. Everybody gives you $1 bills, it seems, for change. I, I only have a $100 bill if I specifically ask for one because I'm going to give it to someone as a gift or if, for some reason. I just don't want to have a lot of dollars in my pocket. I'm going somewhere. I don't want to get my pocket picked. It's better to have three $100 bills than, you know, what is it, 15 20s. All right, be that as it may again. Uh, where are these $100 bills that we don't see? Well, most of them are in other countries, Europe, Asia, South America. And here's who's got the $100 bills. First, criminals. See, $100 bills are easy to move. They're paper, they're light, uh, and what they do is they they make money from money laundering. Criminals all over the world, money laundering. You hear about in the Trump investigation. I'm not accusing them of money laundering, but I'm telling you, in the end, they're going to get him and his family for money laundering. I've said this for the last three years. I've been definite on that. Money laundering. They, they make their transaction in $100 bills, whatever they do, and then when they have to secrete. And this money is kept off our shores. It's still off our shores. Uh, companies uh, who are want to hide money are, or are offshore also are saving. They're hoarding $100 bills because, again, it's easier for them to move that money if it's in bills rather than if it's a bank account transaction. They're going to be using a lot of $100 bills. And I told you, the report said, more $100 bills in circulation than dollar bills. And the other thing is people here in this country, the United States, people like you and me who can afford it, uh, are not me, are hoarding $100 bills because they're afraid the economy is going to drop or the banks and this is going to happen, too, in this country in the next five years. The banks are going to have – there's not going to be any cash. The banks are going to have the capacity, close down accounts, so they're, they don't believe it's going to happen. Or if it happens, the $100 bills or dollar bills, paper money will still be good. So people in this country are hoarding $100 bills also because they fear what's going to happen with the economy. So that's the story about $100 bills being more of them, which none of us see or have. Uh, unless I got someone very affluent who listens to this show, want to get into some reptiles, some animals. 
we have a problem here in the Keys. Uh, let's start first with pythons. Andrew, Hurricane Andrew, 1998, a Category 5, the, the strongest, the most vicious hurricane that can pass over your land, took down Homestead, Florida. That's the northern part of the Keys. I went through Homestead three weeks after Andrew hit. I had tears in my eyes as I drove through. Not a house was standing. As far as the eye could see, not a house, not a building was standing. Everything, brick, stone, mortar, wood, got knocked down. What a tragedy. Well, a lot of people at the time, as it turned out, were keeping pythons in their home for pets. Adults and kids were keeping pythons. The hurricane grabbed the pythons, blew them around, and a lot of them ended up in the Everglades, these pythons. Now, they're very promiscuous. They do. They propagate. Pythons propagate. I'm laughing again, but it's true. They propagate quickly. I don't know the gestation period. I forgot, but it's not that long. It isn't even close to nine months. And so what's happened now and the state of Florida never paid attention to the problem until about five years ago. And we were saying there's more and more pythons are leaving the Everglades. They're coming in to lower keys. We've had a few here. We haven't had a lot. If we had a half a dozen in the last three years, we had a lot. Uh, but they're coming down, halfway down the, the, the keys now. And the state says, we've got to do something about this. They did this major study, cost a ton of money. And they find, found out, they determined, this is official news by the state of Florida, we cannot eliminate pythons because there's just too many in excess of one million pythons is the estimate and we get more and more every day all we can do is contain them hopefully contain now come the iguanas the iguanas started coming around about 15 years ago uh i don't know where they came from but we saw them on the golf course etc etc now they're all over the area here key west uh, all over and some of them are three or four feet long. They're like dragons. Some are smaller. Ten or fifteen will cross the road in front of your car. They're fast, though. <laughs> I only hit one once. They move fast. They know how to get out of your way. Uh, but they're dirty. And here's the two things that people are very upset about. We plant flowers here. It costs money to plant flowers. It, it costs money to raise those flowers. They eat our flowers. This is not funny because, you know, Warm area all year long. People love to plant flowers. They eat the vegetation, especially the flowers. And the other thing is they defecate in our pools. And when they, excuse what I'm going to say, when they shit in your pool, you got to get rid of all the water and replace it again. This happened to me three times. This is no joke. You get the hay iguanas. Well, they're now looking into the iguana problem. They hope to, it won't be as bad as the python problem when they finish their study it's always a study i'm not even concerned about that what we have we have a third reptile type animal coming in this may be a reptile i think it's a big snake called an anaconda anaconda anacondas weigh up to 550 pounds they are the second largest second largest reptile by weight in the world they are the second longest reptile in the world not bad, number two, both of those things. Uh, we have anacondas here now. Why, I don't know. 
And I'll tell you why I don't know. They're in the Everglades. Everything starts in the Everglades. But they're, they're coming out of the Everglades. And you should see some pictures of them. There was one on the Internet the other day, 25 feet long, with a head and a mouth. You could put two heads inside. My head and your head. Do you get it? That huge, the mouth. And what's, they don't know why they're coming from the Everglades, but we've got them. We haven't had any in Key West yet. And I, the reason I say they don't know where they're coming from, because anacondas exist in South America. How did they get up here? We never had anacondas here till recently, last few years, because they're a South American uh, snake. There was a movie a few years ago, uh, a few years ago, 1997. Jennifer Lopez, John Voight, they were on some sort of a boat in the Amazon or something. And it was a horror film, and it was about an anaconda who attacked them. So we got a problem. The anaconda. Okay, I want to talk about measles. And I'm not going to say what you think I'm going to say. I'm just going to talk about meals briefly, and I'm going to tie it into child sex trafficking. We're very concerned in this country today. We have a, we have a measles epidemic. What's it, 180 cases throughout the United States? Uh, it doesn't sound like a lot on the surface, but... We had nothing, and now we have one that's spreading because certain people didn't get inoculated. Parents didn't believe in it and all that sort of thing. So we have an epidemic. It's getting a lot of attention in the media, uh, and a lot of concern is being given, and it's proper because this was a disease that was eliminated 20 years ago. How much do we hear about child sex trafficking? And let me tell you how this ties in. And I'll tell you why I'm sharing this with you. It has been estimated in the last three years, 18,000 children in this country have ended up in sex trafficking. And that's a lot, 18,000. And we don't read about or hear about it that much. And here's how it plays out. You can start with some of the children that were taken on the southwest border from their parents. They can't find them now. Because under the rule, and it's also where children are placed in, for, in um, foster homes, where children are placed, they're taken by the government from the parent, they're placed in a foster home. Now, the government has a responsibility of keeping track of these kids, data-wise, where are they, it's who's taking care of them, but only for six months. At the end of six months, there's no responsibility by the foster parents, quote-unquote, or whoever's got them, the government, ICE, I don't know, and the government itself who took these kids away from the parents to deal with them, to keep track of them, to keep records. That's why we can't find these kids. And this article that I read, this study said uh, most of them, and they believe the number is 18,000 a year, are ending up worldwide in child sex trafficking rings, that there is an epidemic that is very real with regard to this type child sex abuse. Uh, what can I tell you? It's something we've got to watch, we've got to pay attention to, we've got to look at. Uh, it's not more important. Measles are important because an epidemic of any type, vulgar disease, can get out of hand, and 1,800 can become, uh, 180 can become 18,000. But these kids are being picked up, and these kids are 10, 11 years old, some of them, uh, that are be sold, being sold into the sex trade internationally. Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln. I'm going to give you a comparison between Lincoln and Donald Trump. 
Trump's big on numbers, very big on numbers. Lincoln at his first inauguration, you know how many people showed up for Lincoln's inauguration? 25,000 people. May have been a lot at the time, I don't know. May not have been a lot because everybody was unhappy the Civil War was around the corner. Now, at Trump's first inaugural, his only inaugural so far, uh, he made an issue as to whether his crowd was bigger than uh, Obama's crowd, etc. The records seem to indicate that Trump brought out anywhere from 300,000 to 600,000. Okay? That's it. Not a million, not a million one. 300,000 to 600,000 people for his inauguration. That's a lot more than Abraham Lincoln did, who only took in, had 25,000 people in Washington listening to him. I, I don't know why Trump hasn't told us yet that more people came to his inauguration than to Abraham Lincoln's, because that's the kind of statement, the type of statement I would expect from Donald Trump. I'm going to tell you something quickly, because my time's running out, about Puerto Rico who we didn't take care of following uh, the hurricane, and we still haven't taken care of to a sufficient degree. Puerto Rico, they became United States citizens this month, 1917. United States citizens, 1917. They're as good as you and me. They're citizens. And what happened very quickly is, you know why we made them citizens? We're a great country. Woodrow Wilson needed soldiers. We were going to fight World War One. And within, I think, a month or two, 20,000 Puerto Ricans were drafted because they had become citizens. They were drafted into the U.S. Army for World War I. That's the show for this week. Those are the stories I had to tell. I hope you enjoyed. Please join me next week. My numbers keep going up. I say it every week. I can't believe it. I love you people for listening to me. I love doing this show. So, all being said, see you next week.